You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by guest pastor Carl Francis titled Surviving the Wilderness Seasons of Life. For more information, please visit creekside.org. this service um, is one of my my favorite open Bible preachers, and I've had the joy of being able to hear him uh, a number of times now because of our travels on the board. He pastors a wonderful church in Cooper City, Florida, and uh, his wife, Diary, wasn't able to make it, but they kind of co-pastor it, and they started this church with an incredible story of God's grace and sovereign uh, provision, and, uh, and I'm just really excited to introduce to you, and would you give uh, Pastor Carl Francis a Creekside welcome this morning? Good morning. Bless you. Good morning. God is good, and all the time, I was looking at this, that it's a little bit low for me, and I was thinking that the gentleman before me is taller than I am, and it didn't bother him. But I want to say, first of all, it's a privilege to be here with you this morning, and I want to thank Pastor Terry and the staff and, and the, the leadership for having us and hosting us. And I want to tell you, they have been incredible hosts for us at the board. And on behalf of the, the Global Missions Board, I want to say thank you for your generous and kind hospitality would you join me in giving them a big hand, giving yourself a big hand? I bring you greetings from, uh, warm greetings, from Florida. Our temperature is a little bit warmer than you are right now. We are we're in the 80s still, can you imagine? That's hot, right? And uh, here you are in nice, beautiful, balmy Martinez. And uh, Terry was bragging about the fact that it was on the number 10 list of places to visit in America. Or, or, and he made sure that we got that in our package. And uh, so thank you for allowing me to be in Martinez. The great place to be, number fourth place to be actually, out of the top 10. I want to be able to share with you this morning what God has laid on my heart uh, for you as a church. I always try to ask what God wants for specific churches. I, I don't like to bring a canned messages for something that I preach to somebody else, but I always like to ask God, what is it that you want for that church? Because he knows you. I don't know you. He knows, he knows you. He knows who you are. He knows what you're going through. And he, wants, he always has a word. God is always speaking. So if you don't mind, can we bow our heads in prayer? And then let's get rolling. Our Father, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find them and literal medicine unto our flesh. Thank you for the privilege to partner with you in kingdom building. We thank you for this great ministry here. We thank you for the work that is being done in this vineyard. And Lord, today, we want to hear from you. Not a man. I'm only a voice. But I want you to speak through me. Holy Spirit, I'm dependent on you, relying on you, trusting in you, and asking you to do what only you can do. That your name would be glorified. That your people would be edified. And that the devil would be terrified. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you about surviving the wilderness seasons of life. But I have two questions I'd like to ask at the beginning. Have you ever feel like life was more than you could handle? Have you ever wondered where is God in all of this? When you're in a situation in life and things happen? If you have, you are probably likely in a wilderness experience. Let me define for you quickly what, a, what I would consider a wilderness experience. A wilderness experience is usually thought of as a tough time in which the believer endures discomfort and trials. Or a wilderness experience, if you want to put it another way, is often a time of intensified temptation and spiritual attack. Associated with wilderness experience are feelings of distress and doubt, perhaps alienation from God. A wilderness experience may cause feelings of discouragement, confusion, and even anger. Often during a wilderness experience, people ask the question, Why God? What am I supposed to do? A couple examples of wilderness experiences. Losing a job and getting behind on the bills. And being without health insurance. Can be a security wilderness. Losing a loved one to death or divorce. Can be a family wilderness. Going bankrupt or losing your house can be a financial wilderness. A sudden illness or injury can be a health wilderness. Having a wilderness experience, though, does not necessarily mean it's a sign that the person is living in sin. Rather, it's a time of God-ordained testing. See, my friend, you can be in the perfect will of God and yet have a wilderness experience. The Bible gives us many examples of that. It's replete with individuals such as Joseph. My favorite story in the Bible that I go back to all the time. Because if you remember, Joseph was really put into a pit, left to die, then picked out of the pit and sold into slavery, then accused of rape and put into prison. And it just got, it just got worse each time. And when I read Psalm 105, it tells me that this was all God's plan. He was going through a very difficult time, what I would consider a wilderness experience. And that was God at work. And then there is Job. Unbelievable wilderness experience. Losing all your children one day. Losing all your possessions one day. And then we attacked with physical illness. And then there is Moses, who spent two-thirds of his Life in the wilderness. Two-thirds of his time was spent in the wilderness. That's not easy. We don't always like to be in the wilderness. But perhaps the most significant one that the Bible tells us about is that Jesus. Did you know that Jesus, the Bible says, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know, a wilderness experience, we notice, is often linked with a mountaintop experience. Somehow after a great time, after some advancement, or after some 
achievement or progress. Usually, there is a wilderness experience. I was just talking to a pastor, one of the pastors that uh, planted a church uh, from our church, and uh, he just had a, a, a relaunch in a new place. And they were excited. Just this last Sunday, they had this relaunch service, and it was great. And I saw him later in the week, and he was already telling me how the enemy was already attacking. He had come from the mountaintop experience, and now he was going into the wilderness. That's how the enemy seems to come at us. Most of you have heard about Charles Spurgeon. Maybe you didn't know very early in his ministry, he had a terrible wilderness experience. See, when Spurgeon was 22 years of old, he would fill this sanctuary with 12,000 people on the inside. And he would have 10,000 people on the outside wanting to hear the word. And one day, somebody... Just as he began to preach, a voice cried out from the balcony, and it says, fire! The place is falling apart. we got to get out of here. And people started running, and, and people started stampeding. And, of course, what happened is that because of the stampede, seven people were killed and many injured. Do you know what happened? The tragedy of all this situation is that it was all a prank. It was never, there was never any fire. And the, the, the newspaper blamed Spurgeon for the problem. And he went into a wilderness experience. He went into deep depression and he almost gave up the ministry. See, my friend, everyone finds themselves around the wilderness or in the wilderness sometime or the other. Whether it's a breakup, a miscarriage, a personal failure, or something else. So the big question this morning, if we're all going to end up in the wilderness, how do we survive? How do we survive the wilderness experience? Because can I tell you, if you haven't been in it, and I'm sure most of, most of us have gone through some, and I'll share with you probably at the end one of my wilderness experiences and how God came through. How do you survive in the wilderness experience? I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 13. Now I'm going to read from verse 17 to 22. Exodus 13, beginning at verse 17. It says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, If they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they came to Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to, guide, to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. See, they had just experienced the triumph and the mountaintop experience of leaving slavery in Egypt. And the first thing that God does 
because you've got to remember, he's taking them to the promised land. The first thing he did was to lead them right into the wilderness. You see, in the wilderness, there are three things that I want to suggest that you're going to need to survive. Number one, you're going to need God's direction. When you're in the wilderness, what you want to know is how, what is the way here? What is the way through the wilderness? If you've ever been into a wilderness, you realize that you need to know your way out. And if you're not familiar with it, you, gotta, you, you need to know someone who knows how to get you out. The children of Israel got into the wilderness. They were led into the wilderness by God. And the Bible tells us that God didn't lead them on the short route because they probably would have experienced war and they would have turned back. He led them around into the wilderness. Now I need to know this morning that God wants to lead us. He wants to lead you. He wants to lead me. The question is, how well are we following? He leads in mysterious ways. He leads in the valley. He leads over the mountains. He leads over the smooth roads. He leads over the rough roads. He leads in the daytime and he leads in the nighttime. He leads in every way and every day. The Bible tells us that the pillar of cloud was there all the time. It was there by day and the pillar of fire by night. And it never moved from in front of them. It was always guiding them. And the Bible says, well, if the pillar stopped, they stopped. When the pillar moved, they moved. They were not in control. In the wilderness experience, you'll find that you don't have control. God has to be in control. And so you, need, you and I need God's direction. And so the question is, are you willing to let God lead? You know, that may sound like a very innocent question, but in other words, some people may say, oh yes, oh yes. But can I tell you, when God's leading, you got to go where he wants you to go. And here's the thing I want to share with you this morning. He will lead you sometimes into the sunshine, and sometimes he'll lead into the rain. He wants to lead me. He wants to lead me and my family. He wants to lead you and your family. And the word of God tells us in Psalm 190, says, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. But there are three common places that I want to share with you where God generally takes us when he's leading. The first place is what we saw in Exodus chapter 14. I want to read it for you. Exodus 14 verses 1 to 3, i just tell you what it says. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Fihirath between Migdal and the sea. Here they were going. God led them into the wilderness. And they were on this pathway, of course. And then God said to them, Cause them, let them turn back. Turn back and go to the sea. The first thing we realize is that when God is leading, He will lead you in a detour. You end up in detours. Now detours are not always pleasant because detours lengthen the journey. A lot of times detours cause delays. And so the question, how do you handle detours? Detours test our patience. Because it's, as I said, it's usually a longer route. Many times detours are unfamiliar territory. However, sometimes detours saves our lives. If you are going on a road that you're not familiar with, and you see a sign that says detour here, and you ignore it and continue, you could get into trouble. We have to follow, because it could become disastrous. We have to learn to live with detours, we have, because detour causes delays. 
And God leads us many times into detours. Now, the thing about it is that when he got into the detour, it was an interesting thing how Pharaoh and his army perceived that. They looked at it, and they saw them going back into the wilderness, and God had them camp right by the Red Sea. That's exactly where he told Moses to lead them. When Pharaoh examined the map and looked, and he says, what? That's where they are? We're going after them. We can't lose our labor force. We got to make up. We got to get them. And so they started to chase them. And, 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 and then the Bible says, when the children of Israel looked up, they saw the army marching towards them. And as they looked at the army marching towards them, then they looked at the, where they were. They were by the ocean. You see, God not only leads you into detours, but he leads you into dead ends. Because they were at a dead end. But you see, these detours and dead end teaches us some things. In the detour, we're going to learn how to walk with God. In the dead end, we're going to learn how to deal with fear. We're going to learn how to deal with how to learn to wait. Because you see, God led them to the dead end right there. And then when they saw the army coming, what does Moses say to them? Don't be afraid. Just be still. Be still and watch what God is going to do. Can you imagine in a situation like that and, 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 and the sea is there and the enemy is coming this way and Moses says, cool it. It's going to be all right. You know when I get a song that says, be happy. <laughs> Just relax. Relax. And then we see what God does miraculously. Because when you're in a dead-end situation, it's an opportunity for God to perform the miraculous that he wouldn't. He leads us into detours to teach us how to walk. And he leads us into dead-end to teach us how to wait. Because you know what they had to do? They just simply had to wait on what God was going to do. There was no way out. They were stuck. So we see that God... When he leads us, he leads us into detours, and then he will lead us into dead end. And that wasn't enough. The Bible says after this, Moses then took the people into the wilderness, and they traveled for three days, and they couldn't find water. Now, I want you to understand that when they were in the wilderness, they're going every day, they're looking for water. They're digging holes. They're trying to find water. And what I'm saying to you is that all, every time they dug a hole, it became a dry hole. And so what we're seeing is that God, when he's leading you, will lead you into detours, he will lead you into dead ends, and he'll lead you into dry holes. But these are all lessons to teach us, because what is God doing? He's still leading you towards your preferred destiny. The children of Israel were still heading towards their preferred destiny, but God is going to build our character because our character to God is more important than our comfort. And so he's going to build that. He knows where he's taking us, and he knows where he's taking you and I, but this is what he's going to be doing. And so we, we see them come into these dry hole situations. And in the dry hole situation, they, Moses now cried out unto God and said, what do I do here? And God, the Bible says, showed him a log, and he threw the log into a water because they saw water that was bitter. And the water became sweet and they were able to drink water. So the detour teaches us how to walk. Dead end teaches us how to wait. And dry hole teaches us how to worship. God's always 
teaching us with the experiences that we go through. Never is any experience by God wasted. No matter what you're going through right now, God understands and He knows and He has a plan. And so the first thing we need to survive is God's direction. But beware that and understand that with His direction, you could be added into detour, you could be added into dead ends, and you could be added into the dry holes. Those are situations that can arise while God is leading. But He knows what He's doing. And I'm going to share with you an experience at the end where we've been through our dead ends, we've been through our detours, we've been through our dry holes. But God always knows what He's up to. And He's always up to something good. It may not look like that. It may not appear that way. And we may say, what is this, God? But I'm going to tell you, the God that we serve is an awesome God who really loves us. And so, now they're in the wilderness. They had a problem with direction, where they were going to go. They had a problem with the dead end, with the ocean and Red Sea that was parted, and they came through with the victory. And then they had a problem with water. Can there be any more problems? Well, yes. Not very long after that, they realized they were hungry. They're in the, in the wilderness. There's nothing. And now they said to Moses, what are we going to eat? You see, in the wilderness, the second thing you're going to need is God's provision. You need God's direction first. But you're also going to need God's provision. And so they cried out to God, what are we going to do? And, and God says to Moses, I'm going to, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. And in the morning, the Bible tells us that God, when they woke up, they saw all these things, when the dew dried, all these things scattered around them. And they, of course, they didn't know what it is, so they said, what is it? This is what manna. And they began to, uh, you know, I usually say they fricassee it. They fry it. I don't know if you know curry. They curry it. They stew it. They boil it. They did all kinds of things. But it was manna in the morning, manna at noon, manna at night. You know, in some, back home we'd say chicken, chicken, chicken. And if I eat any more chicken, I'm going to cluck like a chicken. But here they had manna all the time, and it was manna. And the interesting thing is that God gave them this perfect food. It was a daily thing. He didn't give them food to stockpile. He didn't give them food that will last for a week. He didn't give good food to make sure that they're comfortable, they don't have to worry about it. Every day, you know, that's what we, our Lord's Prayer, give us this day, our daily bread. Only for this day. And so God teaches us that every day we have to depend on Him. Every day we have to look to Him. Every day we have to rely on Him. And He gives us daily bread. And He gave them every day. And so they had to go out and collect this every day. Because He wants us to learn to trust Him. You know, I always say that every day you and I wake up, God says, do you trust me? Do you trust me today? Are you trusting me today? And they had to depend on God for today and don't worry about tomorrow or the next tomorrow because he didn't provide for them for that except when it was the Sabbath day. And for 40 years, 
For 40 years, they ate the same food. Manna every day. But it was a perfect food. Because the Bible tells me that they came out healthy. It had everything that they needed. When God gives you something, he's amazing God. When he takes care of you, it's an amazing way. Whatever he provides for you is adequate, is more than enough. And so this morning, if you think the economy has you worried or you're anxious about some situations in your life, I want you to know that the message to you, to you is that God will take care of you. He knows where you are. He knows your circumstances. He knows your situation. See, in the barren waste of the wilderness, we're confronted with the grim, harsh realities of our own weaknesses and feelings. We come to know ourselves more in the wilderness than anywhere else. Because in the wilderness, a rebellious spirit and a disobedient spirit showed up in the people. Why? Because God said to them, every day you need to go out and just keep it, just pick enough, just get enough just for one day. What did some people do? They kept leftovers. And God says, if you do that, it's not going to work. And what happened? Worms came. And of course, it stunk. And then, of course, when he says to them, gather for the Sabbath to, for enough, some didn't believe. Some didn't accept it. They still went out on the Sabbath. They disobeyed God. And what happened? There was none for them to eat because it wasn't there. For many Christians, the wilderness is a place of isolation in which we have the opportunity to identify and confront the hidden sins and the fears that threaten to destroy us as a people and from reaching God's preferred destination for us. You see, my friends, I want you to know this morning, the wilderness is a place of purification. Somewhere we can examine ourselves and face up to our feelings and our fears and get things right. And then the third, so the wilderness, in the wilderness you need direction, in the wilderness you need God's direction, you need God's provision, but you're also going to need God's protection. Because we're told that in the wilderness they were, when you read in Deuteronomy, it says, who led them through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water. They were fiery. Now you are familiar with serpents and uh, with, with uh, rattlesnakes, I understand, right? Is it that in this area? Uh, we don't have rattlesnakes. We have alligators. Um, I'm not sure which one is worse. But, uh, but they, were, they, they, they were led through the wilderness with fiery serpents and scorpions. That's no joke. I mean, you know, they're going along and, you know, you just don't know what you may step on. And, and the Bible, we never had an indication of anything, of anything happening to any of them. They were all protected because God watches over them. What an awesome God we have. Can you give him praise this morning for who he is? See, in the wilderness experience, a believer may struggle simply to survive from day to day, whether it's a financial wilderness, a material thing, physical, emotional, you're pressed hard, the flesh cries out for relief. But we are forced to wait on the Lord to find God's peace and joy in the midst of trouble and through it all to mature in the walk. The same God who created the garden, the same God who created the wilderness. There'll be times of trial and pressure, can I tell you? Our faith will be tested. But the God of grace will meet us even in the wilderness. 
God sees what you're going through. He hears your concerns, and he understands your situation even more than you and I do. Whatever you're facing, whatever your wilderness situation, everyone and everything besides God is unpredictable. But God is completely reliable. I want to share with you, finally, as I close, one of our wilderness experience. We, we were led by God, and we know that, to buy this piece of property. And we had checked out to make sure that the property could build a church and a school and whatever we wanted. And right after we purchased it, we ended up in a detour. They changed the rules on us. The county changed the rules on us. And we couldn't, we couldn't do anything with the property. We had to change gears and try to figure a way around. So we tried to use variances, and that didn't work. But somehow I went to the county one day, and I was sharing with this gentleman what had happened. And for somehow God brought back to his memory that there was a situation similar to that. And he says, he somehow picked the file out, brought it out to me, and showed me the letter that they wrote. And I memorized that letter, and I wrote the same letter. And it was that if your, if your property was grandfathered at a certain time, then you could build on the property but you couldn't build greater than the size of the building presently on the property. Well, that's exactly what we were able to do. So that got us out of that situation, out of that detour. But then not very long after that, we ran into a dead end. Because we had to give up. A road coming into the property was supposedly on the map a major roadway. And we had to give, give, give way on both sides. And, and, and then there was a property across the road that, uh, we had to get all the property owners around us to approve what we wanted to do. Well, the property owners wasn't sure who we were and what, they, what, we, what we wanted to do. And a hundred of them came over and had a meeting with us in our church. And they hired a high-powered attorney. An attorney who is a lobbyist in Florida, who knows the governor by first name, who knows everybody in the commission by first name. And as I was praying one day, God said to me, I let them hire him for you because you couldn't afford to hire him. <laughs> now that sounded strange. But let me tell you something what happened. We had our own attorney. When we went to the hearing, we didn't know that our attorney was hard of hearing. <laughs> the commission person asked a question he never answered the question because he didn't hear what they said. It was such a critical thing. But the opposing attorney, when he got up, he says, you asked my colleague a question I want to answer on his behalf because these are very wonderful people. We've never had such wonderful people to work with. And when he was finished, they were wondering who was working for the other side, and they approved what we wanted. Let me tell you how God is able to work. And then we run into more problems. You see, not only detours and dead ends and dry holes, we had those dry holes too. And it kept pushing us back and kept pushing us back and kept delaying us until, you know what happened? We ended up, we, we, we bought the property in 96. We moved on there in 99. And we had delays from 99, 1999 all the way to 2012. 
But in 2000 and, in, no, no, 2000 and, 2008, sorry. But in 2009, do you remember what happened in 2009? The economy was in deep recession. Did you remember that? The stock market dropped to under 10,000, which is over 23,000 now. Everything crashed. Construction ceased in our area. I don't know what happened here. Nobody was doing any work. Everything stopped, and God said to us at that time, it's time to build. I called a contractor and says, we need to build this building. He laughed at me. He says, Pastor Francis, the world is falling apart. Are you building now? I said, yes, we feel that God says it's time to build. So then he didn't come, so I found another contractor, and we started, we broke ground, and we started with the money that we had, and we didn't have the money to do the building, but we had to make, we made a start with what we had, and we started working. And guess what? Because it was the recession, every contractor that we talked with was willing to cut their price and cut their price and cut their price because they said to me, Pastor Francis, this would be three times what I'm charging you, but I only want to pay my bills for my equipment to stay in business until things turn. That's all they said to me. And I, kept, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if I believed them. But nevertheless, at the end of the day, we were able, when, when we got to a certain point, we called a lender. And when they came and saw where we had gone in a recession, they gave us the rest of the money to complete the building. But here's the big thing. Because we were backed up all the way to the recession, we saved over $2 million on the building because of that. That's what God does. And so it doesn't matter if he's leading a detour, if he's leading you to a dead end, or if he's leading you into dry holes, he is going to get you to the preferred destination. Just keep trusting him. Keep believing in him. Keep looking to him. He is your answer. Can I pray for you? Father, we pray for Creekside. We pray for anybody here today that's going through a wilderness experience. That you, God, would remind them that no matter whether they go through a detour or they go through a dead end or they go through a dry holes, that you are the God who will provide direction provision, and protection. And ultimately, you will get them, just like the children of Israel, to the promised land, to the preferred destination, because that's your plan, and that's how you are. You are a great and awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Amen. Let's stand together, if you would, please. Uh, what a wonderful, timely word. Uh, I, I can say that um, I haven't said a lot about it, but it's one of those situations where I've, uh, it, it kind of speaks to where I've been for a season, a pretty long season. I mean, what I want you to do, I, I think you're either, most of us are probably either going into one or we're coming out of one or we're in one. It's just kind of the, the cycles of life, the way it works. And, um, and, and I want you to take a moment, uh, as we often do, and say, Lord, what is it that was spoken today that is for me? Um, my three takeaways are pretty simple. They're straight from what Pastor Carl said. Uh, keep walking. 
keep waiting and keep worshiping. And then I just added one more that I know the Lord has spoken to me from one of the scriptures that he shared earlier is keep quiet. And I, I don't know where you are today, uh, but I, I'm sure there's something in this that the Lord has spoken to just about every one of us here. And so what I want to encourage you to do is just take a moment there, kind of just your own little church service right there where you're standing and say, Lord, what is it that you're speaking to me for where I am, present tense? Because God's spirit, as we sang it earlier, we welcome God's spirit here. And God uses a man or a woman to speak to us through his word. And I don't want you to leave today by hearing God speaking something to you. So would you just take a moment and say, Lord, here I am. I'm a candidate to do, to become, to experience whatever it is, the good, the bad, the ugly, so that I experience the preferable future that you have for me that would conform me even more to the image of your son. And would you just take a moment and allow the Lord to kind of just marinate your soul and to speak to your spirit in the process of what uh, has been spoken this morning. Father, one of the things I love so much about coming here and meeting with your flock, your people, is that I'm convinced that people come because there's something in their life that they say, God, I want you to speak to me today. I want to sense your presence in a way that's going to lead and to guide and to direct me. And so, Lord, I celebrate that in this moment, that that's what you're about. We're not just coming here for a group therapy session. We're not just coming here to have kind of the experience of, of rubbing shoulders with somebody and feeling good about the songs that we've participated in. But Lord, it's because we want to experience your life at greater depth and dimension. And so I pray, Lord, for this precious flock uh, that you're leading and that you are overseeing, that Lord, you'd speak to them clearly. For some, we need to be challenged. For some of us, it's encouragement. For some of us, just uh, keep on going. You're, you're on the right track. And so, Lord, let us hear your voice for our life in this moment today. I pray, Lord, that for every one of us, we would believe and we would contend for the thought and know that you have a preferred future for every one of us. You have a preferred future for this church. And so, Lord, we're, we're going to follow your direction. We're going to trust in your provision. And God, we're just going to simply be worshipers of you, knowing that you see our beginning from our end. And so, Lord, I want to thank you for the timely words that we've received today, that if we just distill them to passionately pursue you, and Lord, to trust and to look to you in the midst of everything we're facing. And so this morning we receive that and we give you thanks for that. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, amen. Would you just give the Lord thanks for the word this morning? Amen, Lord. Thank you, Lord.